U.S. squad with NBA players lost for the first time ever in the Olympics. It was ugly to watch. It was terrible to be a part of. And you kick your ass. We came to the notion just because we're Americans, we're better. We were just thrown together and said, go out there and win us a gold medal. Everybody's like, we can never have this feeling ever again. And we had to figure out how to become a team. That's why we recruited Kobe Bryant. If you follow basketball, then you know the nickname of this year's squad, the Redeem Team. The Redeem Team. The Redeem Team. I think that was a bunch of showboat players who's going to do the dirty work to win. I was young, but I understood what it meant to build chemistry. Because if that didn't work, there's no way in hell none of this was going to work. Cole said, I'm trying to watch y'all lose. I love this energy. This is what we need. <laughs> now let me give you what you came for. This is everything that we always dreamed of. We had a lot of things that we needed to show the world. And it wasn't just basketball. I think it just reset the standard. It's one of the greatest games prior to play. Just a shot at redemption. Good evening, my name is Marty Plum and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back into the film room and I am so happy, so thrilled, so pleased to have maybe my favorite guest ever back on a pen and a napkin. It is my wonderful, beautiful, absolutely awesome 19-year-old daughter, Genevieve Constance Plum. Government name. Government name? Yeah. I'm back for season two, baby. You're back for season two. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? A little nervous. A little nervous. But you did great. Everybody that that listened to what you did the first time, they they said you did a great job. Yeah. I finally listened to it after like a year of it being out because I just didn't want to listen to it. But then I finally listened to it and it it wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So... You did great. You did great. And you're going to do great tonight? Yeah, I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, you're not going to. Okay, so let's not jinx it. Yeah. Let's not jinx it. Uh, yeah, knock on the wood on, on the desk here. Yeah. So uh, so we were supposed to do a feature film this week, but scheduling conflicts got in the way, and we were supposed to do this documentary next week. But I wanted to get this out this week. Long story short, we're going to get our feature film out next week. I think you're really going to like it. Uh, it's 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 going to be a good one. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, But here, this week, we are going to talk about The Redeem Team, the 2022 Netflix documentary on the 2008 Olympic men's basketball team. And so we kind of rushed this a little bit. We we rushed it, but we didn't rush it. Mm -hmm. Fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So what we did, actually, is we watched it together this afternoon. We were in the same room, but we literally didn't talk for the entirety no. of the, the whole documentary. No, I got shunned. You got shunned, a yes. A little bit. A little bit? Yeah, when I asked a question or something. I don't remember what it was, but I got shunned for something. Well, yeah. Because we're not allowed to talk. Because you weren't allowed to talk. It. That was the rules. That was the rules. So, um, so we literally... We're in our living room for two hours, mm-hmm. and we didn't talk to each other, basically. Mm-hmm. And we just watched the show. We were writing things down and, and so forth and so on. I am... I don't know if I'm ashamed. I'm probably a little ashamed. Mm. Today was the first time I've ever watched this. It was also the first time for me. Yeah, okay. Um, and it was Mark Kruger that said you got to watch this, you got to watch this. And I kind of put it off and put it off. Mm-hmm. I thought immediately this would be a great one for the film room season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never got around to watching it. And then, of course, it was part of, you know, I, th- this was like literally the first documentary that I thought of for uh, season two. This one and probably the Fab Five uh, were the two that I thought of right away. So I was really excited to watch this. Uh, I'm not going to give away any ratings, anything else. It did not disappoint um, mm-hmm. I thought it was really, really good. Your initial thoughts, Genevieve? Um, I mean, I liked it, but my last one was The Bad Boys. Yeah. So, I don't know. I liked that one a lot. So, I don't know if I had the same expectation of, like, how much I was going to like it. I thought it was still pretty good. Like, I think it had a lot of really good character development, mm-hmm. if you want to say that. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely... The bad boys holds a special place in my heart. Don't tell me you're not going to try and date a bad boy. No, I okay. can't say that. Okay, you better not. <laughs> you better not. So, um, how many of the <coughs> excuse me? How many of the players did you recognize? How many of the people in the film? Um, I definitely recognized a lot of names, considering it's the USA basketball team. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and they are the redeem team. Mm-hmm. So, like, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Chris Bosh, uh, you know, LeBron, Kobe, uh, Dwayne Wade. But a lot of names, some faces, but considering I'm not that deep into basketball lore, Mm -hmm. I don't... It was a little tricky for me. Yeah, but... You had, you had a good enough understanding. It, yeah, you know, yeah. You did not have to be a huge basketball mm. fan to no. grasp everything that was going on. No. No, no, okay. Um, what were your kind of 30,000-foot views? Uh, you know, what? Uh, let me ask you this question. What was your understanding about American international basketball before this, how much? How many of these stories did you know about before you watched this documentary, like 1972 and 1988 mm-hmm. and the original Dream Team and all that other stuff? How much did you know about it before we watched it? Um, I didn't really know about, like, if you want to say they got cheated, as LeBron said in, what is it, 72? Yep. I didn't know about that. Yep. But I did know about the Dream Team because mm-hmm. I'd watched The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. But... Other than that, I didn't really know about, like, the conflicts in basketball internationally. Okay, yeah. So they actually, when they showed the stuff about 72, 
um, they talked about Doug Collins, and we'll talk about Doug Collins. Um, he got fouled. I mean, got clocked like on a breakaway layup with like three seconds left or what it, whatever it was. Yeah. And and from the, the you could see it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He got. I mean, he got clobbered. Right. And today it would be like a flagrant foul. They'd break it down like the Zapruder film, all this other stuff. <laughs> and so he went down, and when he hit those two free throws, I mean, he had just gotten whacked uh, right. a minute or two before, and. They not only replayed that play one time, mm-hmm. not two times, but finally it was on the third time. It was so in the movie they only showed two times where the Russians did it. They mm-hmm. they they failed and then they succeeded. It was actually there was a time in between that they they actually replayed that three different times. So so they knew like he got hit. No 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 oh. no the end of the play where they threw it all the way down the court and they won the game oh. where they won the game yeah. So they 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 failed, uh-huh. and then they said something was wrong. It was an inaccurate substitution yeah, or something like I didn't that. Get it? And then they tried it again, and they failed. But then they put the time back on the clock for some reason, and oh. then finally the third time the Russians won the game. Oh, uh, you know. Okay. So, and I don't know if you know this or not, but those Olympic basketball players have never accepted their silver medals, and they never I saw will. That they saw like their. I don't know if like an appeal to it or something, but I saw that they weren't accepting silver yeah. medals. I don't know if that they still haven't. Yeah, it's been fifty years and they still haven't. So, yeah. a little history for you there, huh? Thank you. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, at one point, uh, that was their one loss until nineteen eighty eight. Um, I remember nineteen eighty eight very vividly. Uh, I was really upset because I thought John Thompson, may he rest in peace, did a horrible job of selecting the Olympic team. Um, we got beat. Now that Russian team, that Soviet team was really, really good. Arvidas Sabonis and Sharunas Marshalonis and some other guys that were really, really... Uh, Arvidas Sabonis would be like uh, Nikola jo- uh, Djokovic, or Nikola Djokic, Djokic today. <laughs> yeah, I can't talk all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, and so they were really good. The dream team comes in in 92, so forth and so on. And then we had everything that happened. So, uh, so yeah, you know, gave birth to the game globally. The dream team did led to Dirk Nowitzki, Yao Ming, mm-hmm. all these other type of players. So, um, let's start with this, Jenny, if, uh, or not starting with this, but let's ask this question. Mm-hmm. How often should you watch this movie? I don't know. I think... A big part of the movie, like it was definitely about team chemistry and everything, and mm-hmm. uh, working together, bringing a bunch of different personalities together as a team. But I think another big part of it was patriotism, and as the USA team, what are you representing? Mm-hmm. So I would say maybe towards the beginning of a season maybe so like once a year like right before a year yeah to like show what you Mm. can do bringing all these different personalities and skills together yeah yeah i would say at least once a year i mean i might watch it again tomorrow i don't know Mm -hmm. depends on if i have enough time i was i was that impressed with it i thought Mm -hmm. it was really really awesome so uh i had a whole bunch of favorite scenes me too. I had a whole bunch of favorite scenes. So let's tag team this. Okay. Oh, you went on the way. You went on the back of the sheet. Yeah. You had so many that you wrote them on the back. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you go ahead and start for it? Give us one, and let's go back and forth. Let's tennis match it here. <laughs> Give me one. Um. Let me see. One of the big parts it was I'll we'll probably talk about later was I loved Coach K and his method of 
motivating the team in a different way that they had never experienced. Because, like, mm-hmm. considering that Dwayne Wade and LeBron and Carmelo Anthony and them had all been on the 2004 team, and what was it, Larry Brown was the coach for yep. 2004? Yeah. Just comparing the different ways that the coaches were motivating their players to have a real passion for wanting to win the gold Uh so i just really love the different strategies that coach k used like he brought in all these different motivational speakers and he brought in um people from the military because he he had time in the military Uh so he yeah he brought in a bunch of motivational speakers while they were training every summer and one of the things that i loved with one of the speakers was they brought in actual people from the military and talking Uh about how the military is a selfless service and being a player for the USA team is also a selfless service. And when you're playing with, um, I don't want to say big egos, but big star power. Yeah. There's a lot of big egos. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of selfless service in doing what you have to do for the team. Yeah. That was, that was on my list. Definitely. Mm -hmm. When the, when the military folks came in and they, Mm -hmm. they, they talked about, uh, you know, thousands of people had have given their lives mm-hmm. so that they these guys could be great basketball players, and and that was really really powerful mm-hmm. stuff. And and your dad's kind of a nerd, mm-hmm. a basketball nerd. I don't know if you know this or not. No way. Yeah, way. Uh, and we, you know, I've read a lot of stuff on Coach K, and I had heard about these stories of him bringing in military people to talk to the Olympic teams that he's coached. But I had obviously had never seen it before, had never seen that actual footage. And that was pretty mm-hmm. powerful for me yeah. to, to, to see that play out. So I thought that was really, really awesome. Another part of that was, so they had these speakers come in and they had this, uh, what is it, uh, a soldier who uh, had been injured while he was serving and he had gone blind. Yeah. And... They had him come to practice, and what all the players did is they put mics on, uh-huh. and they would had the veteran putting um, headphones on. Headphones on, yep. And they would speak to him through the mics and describe what was happening in the game. Uh-huh. And one part, I think it was, was it LeBron or was it Dwayne Wade who was saying like, you know, I appreciate everything you do for this country. And what. Uh-huh. a bunch of soldiers do for this country and I'm happy to be wearing USA so I can you know give thanks to what you've done for our country yeah um, yeah that was really really powerful stuff mm-hmm. that that was definitely at the top of my list um, I really enjoyed uh, the part about Jerry Colangelo and coach K both being mm-hmm. selected mm-hmm. Um, I remember that distinctly a lot of people, uh, didn't think that, you know, there was, it's hard to believe that people would say there were doubts about Coach K and his coaching ability. Right. Uh, but there were people that kind of had their doubts about that. Uh, but he kind of had that perfect temperament to bring these collection of individuals under one umbrella, as he referred to it as one point. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to take all your egos and we've got to bring this all under one ego umbrella. And The biggest thing that I liked the most about the the film, and again, this is coming from the coaching angle part Mm -hmm. of things, was the footage that they showed of Coach K talking to the team in the meeting rooms. 
that was that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've read a lot of Coach K's books and a lot of stuff about him. I forget what the name. I forget who wrote the book about him a couple of years ago, but it was you know Coach K on TV has a pretty. Uh, he he's got a pretty managed um, persona. You know, mm-hmm. he, 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 he's very measured in what with what he does publicly. Mm-hmm. But you'd always heard, again, kind of, he'd had this really, uh, he's not afraid to drop the F-bomb <laughs> pretty, oh, yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. fluently. And, it, and, and again, kind of all these things I'd read about for years and years and years to kind of see this happen uh, live and up front was mm-hmm. was really uh interesting to mm-hmm. to watch and and to see that. So my my favorite scenes of the whole movie was seeing coach K talk to the team, communicate with the team right. and and create those relationships with the team. So mm-hmm. what's a, what's another one that you really liked? Um There was a lot. Mostly like a lot of my uh favorite scenes can be summed up in just like team chemistry Uh so like i have uh what did i have i had like staying in vegas for the trials Uh and how because basically they were living in the hotel for a month straight yeah and they were like that's really when was it 2007 or yeah 2007. 2007 yeah and they were like that's really when we got to build a lot of our relationships so like staying in Las Vegas for the trials. And then I also had kind of along that same line was the relationship between Kobe and LeBron, Mm -hmm. because those are two incredible, not only basketball, but just like worldwide powerhouses. Icons. Yeah. Yeah. Like we even saw that when they were were in Japan, was it? Yeah. When they were in in China, um, they, Kobe was followed everywhere he was like like an otherworldly being with Uh how incredibly popular he was and so people expect kobe and lebron to have this like huge you know rival rivalry with like who's going to be the leader of the group Mm -hmm. and like is it going to be kobe's team or is it going to be lebron's team but the way that they work together in creating that whole chemistry with the whole team Mm -hmm. and being like we're not going to be rivals. We are working towards the same cause. We're working for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Why would we want to have bad blood when we're trying to accomplish this great thing and trying to lead a team together? Yeah. Their, their personalities fit yeah. well together. You know, Kobe, ultra serious, mm-hmm. ultra guarded, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. LeBron, gregarious, Mm -hmm. outgoing, always joking. And he was able to bring Kobe out of his shell, and Kobe was willing to get closer with with some of those guys. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, uh, I don't want to trounce on one of the funniest lines, but kind of related to that, uh, I forget which journalist said something like, I was talking to a couple of my friends in the NBA, and we were like, hold on, wait a minute, you don't have any friends in the NBA. You know, and and so to, to see Kobe kind of break down uh, his barriers a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, now, I, I know that you, uh, you know, there was a lot, and it showed it very briefly in the film with, with him and Shaq breaking 
apart, and there was yeah. that whole Kobe Shaq thing uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. Of course, he was accused of sexual assault in Colorado. He was seen as a very selfish player, mm-hmm. you know, so forth and so on. Uh, and so I, you know, he had gone through a lot of things in those three or four years that had forced him to probably to, to develop right. a very thick guard uh, in front of him that, that he was not, he, he did not want to let anybody in because he had been hurt by so many different things as well. So right. I'm guessing that's part of it as well. Yeah. So I really like, speaking of Kobe, uh, the, the scene where they talked about uh, going out in Vegas. That's exactly what I was thinking of. And all the guys got back in the mm-hmm. hotel at, at 4 or 5 in the morning, 5, yeah. 5.30 in the morning. And Kobe's already gotten part of his workout in, and he's yeah. going to get better. And, and and that became contagious with the team. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was a really, really good scene. That was really yeah. cool to see that. And I'm going to talk more about that when we get into some coaching stuff there. So um, you like that one as well? Yeah, I had that, like, Kobe's example in mm-hmm. the summer of 2007. That was one of the things I had. Mm-hmm. It was, like, his... Like, you know, the bomba, Mamba mentality, sorry. Yep. Like, it's so infectious the way his work ethic spread to the rest of the players. And it was really him being there in 2007 that really, like, kind of changed the game for them. Being like, they definitely knew that winning gold again was could definitely be a real thing. Yeah. But I think with Kobe in 2007, it became a much more, like clearly but. achievable thing because they have we got this Kobe, guy we got Kobe Bryant yeah we got this guy we got a bug flying around know, here yeah. yeah yeah we're you can't see us waving at it but we're waving <laughs> at a bug right now so uh, I've I've got just two or three other uh of my favorite scenes what are mm-hmm. some other favorite scenes that you liked um one of my favorite I wouldn't say it was my favorite storyline but it was one of my favorites it was Doug Collins okay um just everything with Doug Collins, you know, talking about him with that thing in 1972. But then later, before they went to the Olympics in uh, 2008, he talked to the team and talked about what it is to be representing your country in the Olympics because mm-hmm. he did that in 72. And then I just loved that once they did end up winning gold in Beijing, they after the game they all went up and they like shook his hand and they all they celebrated yep. with him because mm-hmm. that was it was kind of like partially his victory yeah because it was something that he had been you know i don't say like hung up about but he definitely was it was it was it was his most famous achievement as right. a basketball player yeah and and he was so recognized uh for making those free throws, yeah. and at that time, it, it was just very, very clutch. He was, uh, you don't know this about Doug Collins, but he was the number one NBA draft pick. He played in the league for about mm. 10 years. Uh, and then, I, I, I'm really sure you don't know this, he was uh, Michael Jordan's head coach when, early on when he was with the Bulls. He was? He was, yeah. There's a famous scene... Or there's a famous uh, deal. Uh, Jordan hits the Game 5 winner, and Doug Collins goes running out on the court like this. Oh, that's Doug Collins? That's Doug Collins. Oh. You know know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. He's got that big, curly, poofy hair. (laughs) Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I know exactly what you're talking about. Good job, daughter. Thank you. There we go. That was a high five. Um... 
Coaches are absolutely loving our Taking Over a New Program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, Strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. No, yeah. I just like that scene, him coming out from the bench and or from the booth or whatever yep. and taking that picture with the team. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yep. I just like that Collins storyline. Okay, all right. Uh, any other favorite scenes? Of, I don't remember if it was in the Spain or if it was in the Argentina game. I think it was Spain. The gold like, medal game? Yeah, the gold medal game. Mm-hmm. When Kobe hit that three, and I think it was in the fourth quarter, and he just like, you yeah. know, he like shush. Yeah. Gave him the shush. Yeah. yeah. I've given you that shush a couple of, I gave <laughs> yeah. you that shush about four hours ago. Yeah. I gave you the Kobe. Yeah. Um, I do have a couple more, but okay. I'll be quick with them. Okay. Uh, Coach K putting, uh, I even Manu, Manu, uh, Manu Ginobili. Yeah, putting quotes on their chairs during the semifinals. Uh huh. Um, and then I also had during one practice, uh, Coach K was like, uh. He told all the boys to come over and said, okay, this is going to be our national anthem. And it was Marvin Gaye singing the national yes. anthem. Yep. Um, From the 1983 NBA All-Star Game. Yeah. Yep. That's what it was. I think, I mean, obviously winning the gold. Yeah. Yeah, I had Nobody. the gold, you know, I had the gold medal game, yeah. which you had the, the big um, crescendo of the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, watching that game. I remember watching that game. It was early in the morning. I, I had to, you had to get up like at seven o'clock in the morning to watch it our time because mm-hmm. it was at seven o'clock th- at night in China or something like that. Yeah. And it was it was a great basketball game. And and that Spain team was so good. Uh, you know the Gasol brothers. Uh, Pau Gasol was outstanding. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I know you're not as familiar with him as as some of the other players that, that, that played during that time. Uh, but they were really, really good. That, that Spain team was really good. Ricky Rubio, Rudy Fernandez was very good. Um, one of my little favorite scenes was the first time they played Spain at the Olympics mm-hmm. and Kobe just blasted Pau yeah. Gasol. Yeah. Uh, and, and I had forgotten how violently he went yeah. through him. Like, like, Boom! Yeah. yeah, he just leveled him, and just I thought that was that was a mm-hmm. that was a that was a good scene. That was really well done, and mm-hmm. and uh, I like how many times they replayed it just to <laughs> give it the effect that it had. Yeah, yeah, he he blasted it pretty good. So, um, anything else on that category? Let me look over my paper. Okay, I don't think. I don't think there were any worse or bad scenes yeah. or the worst scenes. I think that the the hardest thing to watch in the movie 
was watching kind of that downfall of USA basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we won the gold in 2000. And I'm going to jump ahead to a different, I'm going to combine this category with another category. Uh, okay. The in-game adjustments, anything that they would have done differently. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things that they didn't talk about in the film was they, they talked about 2004 and how we lost to Greece. And, you know, they had all those issues with, mm-hmm. with that type of stuff. Um, one of the things they didn't talk about was in 2002 at the World Championships, we didn't lose once. We didn't lose twice we actually lost three times in 2002 and it was it was the ugly american it was mm-hmm. it was bad chemistry it was bad mojo it was uh the players were acting uh not positively it was it was just it was it was bad we looked really really bad and they didn't mention that at all during the film and so i think that and I know the focus was on the Olympics, but I really felt like they should have actually gone as far back as the 2002 World Championships because we lost three times there, and 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 not only was it bad, but you know it was it was really ugly yeah. though the way the players behaved and and the way they behaved towards the officials and and just a lot of different mm-hmm. things and the way George Carl kind of handled it probably not his best moment as a coach. And and then we get into 2004. So uh, watching that game, watching the you know it was hard. It, you know it's hard watching the U.S. lose. It's hard yeah. watching the U.S. lose. So um, th- I'm going to combine those two categories kind of together. There, I think I think they should have put some more on that. I also think they could have they could have done a little bit more with the 72 Munich game. I, I think yeah. they could have gone into more detail about how, how that all happened. Uh, I thought I thought they kind of fast forwarded through that a little bit. Yeah. I think that deserved another sixty to one hundred and twenty seconds explaining mm-hmm. everything. You know, this is nineteen seventy two. It's in the yeah. middle of the Cold War. It's the Soviets. It's all of these different things. I, that's that's you know. So I'm going to combine those two mm-hmm. into one. You know, anything on that? Um, maybe just like the two thousand four Olympics was one of the. That was one of the big things I had for worse scenes was, like, mostly it was just losing Larry Brown. He decides to coach his way. Mm-hmm. And so all these players who are playing in the NBA aren't playing the right way, quotation marks. Mm-hmm. He wants to teach them how to play his way, mm-hmm. which was diff, different than what they were used to. So, And obviously at that point, they only have, like, two weeks mm-hmm. to create such an insane and, like, intense chemistry mm-hmm. that all these other teams, you know, I don't remember what country it was. I, mean, I think it was Argentina. They've been playing together since they were, like, 18. Yeah. So to have two weeks to have all these big egos try and communicate and create a chemistry in such a way that they're able to be literal world champions uh-huh. is not achievable and then on top of that trying to teach them a whole nother way of playing uh-huh. it's just not realistic if you're going for gold yeah and you you don't know a lot about larry brown um uh i had him for sleaziest yeah, the Dom Pagnazzi sleaziest character of the film. And there's no... And again, yeah. Larry Brown is a Hall of Fame coach. He is absolutely awesome. And he's obviously awesome. doing something right. Yeah, obviously. And he had just... 
again, you you don't know this. He had just won the world championship in 2004 with the Detroit Pistons. Oh. And they had beaten Shaq and Kobe as their that mm. was the last that was the last time that Shaq and Kobe played together was in the finals in oh. 2004 against Larry Brown's Pistons team that uh, mm. I think it's the only NBA team in history to win a world championship without a player averaging 20 points a game. So he kind of thought all of these guys were going to check in their egos at the yeah. door, that we're going to play the game, quote-unquote, the right way. Very briefly in the film, they mentioned a guy named Dean Smith, who was the head coach at the University of North Carolina. You played mm-hmm. the Carolina way and all these different things. And, and Larry Brown was a hard guy to play for. Mm-hmm. Um, he he burnt a lot of bridges throughout his career because he was kind of he was very intense. He was very he, superb at what he did, but... He could only coach a team for two or three years before he would have to move on because he was just so intense and focused, right. you know, that type of thing. And he was probably, uh, obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty, he wasn't the best selection for this particular time yeah. uh, under that. You know, he's the type of guy that wants to, again, mold mm-hmm. a group instead of kind of taking them and let the players play. Yeah. Um, so, but I think Larry Brown, though, also was correct that there needed to be some changes made culturally yeah. within it you know and and coach k and jerry colangelo told these guys hey you're this is a three-year commitment mm-hmm. you're, you're not just going to show up and play in the olympics we're gonna we're and and, we're, and they usa basketball still does this to this day every summer these guys get together and they practice and they work out together sometimes they play sometimes they don't but but it's every summer that they mm-hmm. that they and and if you're going to be part of it and now they they do it also differently where they have a pool of 30 or 40 guys yeah and then they select a team out of those 12 so uh or they select a team yeah. to get down to 12 that's what i meant and so it it was a change that was needed it mm-hmm. was a change that was needed and sometimes you got to fail before you can succeed so right. yeah um the blue chips Basketball realism and accuracy. I don't think we can get more much more accurate than this, Genevieve. Yeah. A plus. I, yeah, they got it. Yeah. Uh, if if you have not seen this, uh, the again, you know anybody can watch the games. What for me is it was really fascinating was all the behind the scenes stuff with the mm-hmm. team, the practices, uh, the meeting room stuff, the locker room stuff. Uh, that was that was really really good. Mm-hmm. So, um, the John Wooden Don Meyer best coaching advice category. You got some stuff on this. Do you want me to I start? Think... You want me to start this category? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. Um, I think the number one thing that this documentary talks about is standards, mm-hmm. and what are your standards. Um, we can't say it exactly how Coach K said it, but basically he said you're gonna uh, have to, you know, blanking, kill mm-hmm. me to for me to lose. You mm-hmm. are literally because at this point in my career, the way I feel about my country, you're gonna have to blank and kill me if I'm gonna lose. Mm-hmm. I am I am that dead set on winning. Um, and he kind of told the funny story, you know, hey Grandpa, mm-hmm. were you in the Olympics? Oh yeah, yeah we we have, but we lost to this Greek team, yeah. you know. And, and I thought that was a really I funny thought- story. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, but I, I think you have to, and what this film does is it just shows at the highest of levels that there are standards that need to be set. And whether it's it's working at 
Hy-Vee in Omaha, Nebraska, or coaching high school girls basketball. Um, my daughter works at Hy-Vee in Omaha, yeah. Nebraska. A little fist pump action there. Yeah. Or you're working for the athletic department at North Northwest Missouri State University. Mm-hmm. You have to have standards, and and you have to hold people accountable to meet those standards. And I thought that was one of the great things that the documentary went into. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Um, I definitely had uh, what. Coach K, from what I took from this category, was what Coach K made as his coaching, like, agenda, mm-hmm. was he, I definitely have the quote, he was, don't put all your, don't put away all your egos, but fit them all under, under one ego umbrella. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that he really, really focused on was don't make excuses and don't overlook anybody, because I think that was... I think in 2004, that was what they had struggled with. And what, I mean, they struggled with from 2004 until 2008. Mm -hmm. They struggled with thinking this team isn't, they're not, you know, USA basketball. There's no Uh way they're going to beat us. And then they end up losing. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest parts was just don't overlook. Uh Uh-huh your opponents Uh or even on your own team like don't overlook the abilities that one person can bring to the table Uh um so yeah that was what i had yeah um i really like that i I think that's i think that's really good that that you have to respect everybody fear none respect Mm -hmm. everyone uh so i think that's a good point way to go way to go daughter another high five um it takes a real commitment to be great. Mm-hmm. And and again, kind of the Kobe story, you know, it's easy to go out and party in Vegas. It's hard to stay at your hotel and then set the alarm for 4 o'clock in the morning and go and work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether it's that, whether it's Coach K, whether, you know, and and I think that was, that was really important. Uh, you, you, you have to ask for a commitment. Right now, a lot of the coaches that are listening to this, uh, most of the people that are listed, whether you're a college coach or a high school coach, you're asking your players to commit to get better here mm-hmm. in improvement season. And so, if again, if if they're going to ask for this standard, if they're going to ask for this level of commitment, three years, we should be able to ask our kids for that same type of thing. Now, again, it's the Olympic team compared to a high school team or a college team. I understand that. But uh, another thing that I want to piggyback on this is – one of the things that I really liked about Coach K, he didn't care about their resumes. He didn't mm-hmm. care that D. Wade started here or uh, this guy did this or did this guy did that. He was going to put out there who he thought was going to put the USA basketball in the best position to win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as an example, you can make the argument that Dwayne Wade was the best player in the NBA at that time period. Uh, minus the injuries, mm-hmm. but he he came off the bench for all those games, you know, mm-hmm. and that was you know that that was a that was a big part of it. And he had to set aside his ego to say, okay, I'm going to come in, I'm going to be. And he said that at one point, you know, me and CP and Deron Williams, uh, we we have to bring something to the table here every time we come mm-hmm. into the game, and that was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. So. 
Uh, what else you got for this one, hun? Um, what I wanted to add to what you said was about about commitment. Mm-hmm. Was you don't get anywhere without commitment. You're not going to get onto a college team if you don't commit in high school. You're not mm-hmm. going to get into the pros if you don't commit in college. And there's no way you're going to make it to the Olympic team if you're not making that commitment every single step of the way. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, that was all I had for coaching advice. Okay. All right. Because this is my area of expertise. This is your area of expertise? Yeah. Come on, Genevieve. How many, I know. How many teams have you coached? Um, I was the coach for the Olympic team when you, I was four years old. Oh, yeah, really? way back then. That's, that's why we won. That's where you went for six weeks. Your mother yeah. and I were wondering yeah. where you went for yeah. six weeks. Yeah, don't even worry. I, that's why we won the gold. Nice job. Yeah, thanks. Nice it's job. The, yeah. the medal is hidden in my closet. Okay, right next to your volleyball medals from Mary Arquin. Shut up. <laughs> Coaches, don't worry. I am a star volleyball player, and that's why I don't play in college. You still have four years of eligibility left, though. You could, you Let's could, go. Play. you could. All right, I could be a walk-on. Yeah, five foot three outside hitter. Yeah, watch <laughs> out for me. <laughs> I'm gonna spike it in those girls' faces. Yeah, there you go. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, don't be afraid. You, you can't be afraid to make big decisions. So, again, stuff that you probably don't know as well. Uh, before this, it had always been kind of like, okay, we're going to start this guy and this guy and this, you know, these five guys this game. And then the next game, you only two of those guys could start because there was almost like an obligation that we need to feed into these egos and we're going to start eight or nine different starting lineups for nine or ten games in these events, mm-hmm. okay? And one of the one of the big changes that Coach K came in he did two things that were a lot different number one he selected the best team rather than grabbing the the 12 best players Mm -hmm. so there was a couple of guys that you don't know who they are but listeners to this probably know who they are uh tayshawn prince was a guy and michael red was another guy he played michael red played for the milwaukee bucks tayshawn prince played for the detroit pistons for most of his career and these were the 11th and 12th guys. Now I guarantee you that there were two there were two other guys. There were probably 10 other players that were better than those two guys that were part of the tryout process. But they were told very much up front, you're probably not going to play. The only time you're going to play is when we really blow somebody out. Mm-hmm. And that was different. That was a different mode and model and, and you needed to to have like if if you're an experienced coach, you know that uh the most players you can play consistently is around nine kids. You, you can play about nine players, maybe 10 if you're really lucky. Uh, but somewhere, you know, eight to nine is kind of that perfect number. And we were expecting, like they talked about with Carmelo Anthony in 2004, you know, what happened out there? I don't know. I wasn't out there, you know, and, and he's complaining about playing time. Uh, that's one of the big changes that they made. And that's a hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing, and I kind of referred to this a little bit ago, Coach K said, we're going to start the same guys every single game. And I think they started Jason Kidd, Kobe, LeBron, Carmelo Anthony, and I think Dwight Howard were, were their five starters pretty much every single game. And that was different. And, and those are big decisions to make. He's looking at Dwayne Wade, who two years before this was the NBA Finals MVP, and saying, you're not starting. Mm-hmm. He's looking at Chris Paul, who's maybe the best point guard ever, to, you know, one of the best point guards ever. You're not starting. 
And, and that was, that was a big change. And so you cannot be afraid to make those big decisions. And then the other thing that coach K, uh, had was, uh, I really thought he was, he was very firm, but he was also very fair. Um, he created relationships before he tried to discipline them. And I think that's really important. Sometimes, especially young coaches make the mistake of, well, I've got to prove that I'm in charge. I've got to do it. No, mm-hmm. create those relationships first. They've got to trust you before they'll follow you. Mm-hmm. And just because, especially in your generation, your your Gen Z, are you Gen Z? Gen Z, yeah. You're Gen Z. You're not going to follow somebody just because it says boss or coach mm-hmm. or professor. You need a reason to follow them. And I think we have a lot of leaders today. Their biggest mistake they make is, well, you're supposed to listen to me because I'm the teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm the coach. I'm the boss. Yeah. Now, you've got to create relationships and create trust before you do that. I thought Coach K did a great job with that. Yeah. Uh, that's what uh, – uh, I think it was LeBron. Or I think maybe multiple players said it. But when Colangelo picked Coach K to be the coach, he said uh, – the reason why he picked him, well, obviously because of his success at Duke and yeah. everything at the collegiate level. He did all but, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not bad. A few measly championships. Yeah, just five. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Easy win. Um, but one of the things he said that <clears throat> he picked him because he had the respect of all the players and like even like LeBron, I think said like he doesn't like Duke, therefore he doesn't like. Um, cause he, I think he said Coach he was, K. yeah, he doesn't like Coach K, but the thing is, is that he, Coach K still earned the whole team's respect mm-hmm. and like, you know, they, he got it in return mm-hmm. or they got it in return mm-hmm. from him. So he, it's not just, oh, you guys are these superstar basketball players and I'm your coach. Therefore do whatever I say and play however I want to play. Mm-hmm. He created that dynamic where it's mm-hmm. you know respectful both yeah, ways yeah and he needed to listen to them it's kind of like they talked about in the gold medal game they uh spain got the late uh got the lead down to, to two points and he calls time out and it's all the players talking yeah. and, and he really didn't need to say a whole lot and i think and and i'm going to talk about that here uh, how how this documentary can help your your team win games. I think that's that's part of that story mm-hmm. as well. So, coaches, do you want to look good? Pfft, stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good-looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. Best lines, Genevieve. All right, I had a few. Okay, um, give me one. Let's t- let's uh, let's tennis go back it. and forth. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um. 
one was we had a lot to show the world and it wasn't just basketball mm-hmm. because obviously post 2004 they have a lot to prove mm-hmm. but then also two, 2004 was the first uh olympic game that they had played after 9 11 mm-hmm. and i think it was iran athens was, they played it in athens no, Greece. like uh oh we they, we invaded iraq yeah, yeah. They, iraq sorry um so they had a lot to prove because obviously they were embarrassed in 2004 they're mm-hmm. supposed to be this powerhouse in basketball among the world and they just had an embarrassing loss in 2004. Mm-hmm. So they just have to, not only do they have to prove that they deserve gold, but they also have to prove that they deserve to be that powerhouse mm-hmm. among this stage in the yeah. world. Yep, yep. Um, Manu Ginobili, and I think this is part of the change in that this happened after, you know, 2004. Uh, they're the best team in terms of individual players, mm-hmm. but it's a team sport, not tennis. And, there, mm-hmm. and I think there's a little bit more to it than yeah. that. He said, like, but, it's five-on-five. Five. Yeah, it's five-on-five, five. and and I think that's that's important to mm-hmm. remember as you as you put together your teams that you've got to put out the best five that fit together, not just the best five individual talents. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, kind of building on that cultural stuff there. So mm-hmm. uh, that was one that I liked there. That, that'll, that'll stick in my hip pocket. Uh, at some point here, so I'll pull it out. So, what's another one that you liked? Um, I think LeBron said, I knew what it was to build chemistry in order to win. Mm-hmm. And like we've been talking about, it's not just your best players, it's the best team that you can create. Like, mm-hmm. that... Like, you know what I mean? Like, not just the people who have the best skill, it's people who have yep, the, the best, best skill working together mm-hmm. and can help you achieve what you want to achieve together, not as just, like, an individual mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what Manu was, was saying mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. That's kind of ironic is sometimes... Isn't Lebr- it ironic? Yeah, well, a little Al- Alanis mm-hmm. Morissette. Yeah. It's like rain... On your wedding day, it's your free ride. Yeah, there's a little karaoke for you. There you go. Karaoke from the Plum House. Yeah. From the Appendant and Napkin Studios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sometimes LeBron, though, is not the best chemistry guy when his team mm-hmm. kind of struggles, you know. Um, so Yikes. I get what he's saying. And again, yeah. Le- LeBron is... Either the first or second best player of all time. He's depending. LeBron James. He's LeBron certainly. James. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But I thought that was interesting. Um, I thought it was interesting. I think Coach K said this. Uh, talking about taking over and, and what he learned from 2006 when they lost mm-hmm. in his first year at the World Championships. He said, uh, we have to learn their game and quit making excuses. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great quote. Um, you've got to you've got to make adjustments. You you know again. Here's Coach K, three national championships, up team final fours at this point. And he's like, I got stuff to learn about this game. Mm-hmm. It's a different game. The international game is a different game. There's mm-hmm. uh, the rules are different. The uh, the philosophies are different. The skills are different. We've got to do things better. We we keep expecting 
the world to change for us. We've got to change to catch up with the rest of the mm-hmm. world. And I thought that was a good quote. So Yeah, I also kind of had that. I had, like, this is the world game. And another one I had from Coach K was don't pick up bad habits, especially the habit of overlooking anybody. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, I mean, it was the USA team and, like, these global superstars that made NBA such a global powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So... The rest of the world had a chance to catch up, but from how 1930s to, you know, the 80s, continuing on, yeah. they were this powerhouse because they had invented the sport. Yep. So they knew everything there was to know about it. So yeah. they were this incredible, like, they were on this incredible pedestal. Yeah. But then when the rest of the world has a chance to catch up, you know, everybody's kind of tripping over themselves yeah trying to compete with everybody well yeah and they they knew it's kind of like in football teams had to figure out a different way to play other than running the option running power football so that's where the spread offense comes from and all that other stuff and Mm -hmm. the world had to learn how to play a different game than what the united states was playing they knew they couldn't Mm -hmm. compete with them athletically so that they had to become more skilled they had to become better shooters they had Mm -hmm. to execute their offenses better than the united states it's so Mm -hmm. you 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 have to adjust there so uh i've got two more quotes i've got one more you got one more perfect all right so um lebron and and i think this is true for most teams on your journey and this is something that your dad needs to keep in mind uh as he coaches his team i will fully admit this uh lebron said you can't think that things are going to happen on your terms or you know Mm -hmm. at your pace um the other guy's trying to win too and and so you may think well we should be here but it's not happening why is this why did we lose this game why did we not practice well today uh, it's not always going to happen on your terms. There's so many variables that take place in success and trying to make success happen. And I think LeBron did a great job of talking about that there. And and so uh, I, I really like that quote. Mm-hmm. That that one hit home with me pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So um, what's your what's your other quote? Um, it was after they had won the gold and they were all standing up on the podium getting their medals and. <laughs> I can't remember who said it, but they said, we basically said we were wearing USA, you know, we were all running for the same cause for the past three years, and it wasn't, uh, like, Kobe wasn't wearing the Lakers, and LeBron wasn't wearing Cavaliers, we were all wearing USA, Mm -hmm. because we were all going for the same thing, and trying to represent the same people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was... Carmelo that said that's that. what I was thinking I think it was, I think it was Mello yeah yeah that's right I think you got it right I think it was Mello so I do I too am wrapping up with a Mello quote oh wow uh he was talking about Kobe he was talking to Kobe mm-hmm. and he told him uh for this team to be successful we don't need Lakers Kobe we need Team USA Kobe mm-hmm. and and even Kobe who kind of became the I don't want to say undisputed leader, but one of the big leaders of the team. Even he had to change his game, and it probably helped him as he as he moved forward in his career. So I really like that quote as well. So Mm -hmm. um, Don Pagnazzi sleazy's character of the movie again. I think we talked about that. Larry Brown kind of was was. I I don't think anybody was really painted in the bad light. I don't think anybody was a real bad guy. But uh, this was 
uh, not one of Larry. Larry Brown is is not his finest moment. Yeah, um, I think he's still. I could be wrong with this. He might be the only coach in history to win an NCAA championship and a uh, NBA championship as a head coach. I could be wrong with that, but he's one of the. He's one of maybe only one other person. You know, uh, so he is. He is. Uh, he's a terrific coach, but yeah, yeah he was. He was not. Uh, in a good light uh, mm-hmm. with this year. So, uh, best storyline. I had to. We kind of talked about one. Doug Collins. Yeah. Yeah. That was I that like was him. that was a fun storyline to watch. Um, and then, um, it's called the Redeem Team, mm-hmm. but a big part of the storyline. And again, this was all put together uh, in the year or two after Kobe passed away. But it was yeah. also a story of Kobe's redemption. Mm-hmm. Not only was the redemption of of USA basketball, but it was also kind of a redemption of Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and, and kind of set him up to win two championships in in '09 and '10, and to kind of you know cement his place as one of the all time greats. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think it was important that they talked about his image at the time like we talked about like what what kind of social image he was facing mm-hmm. at that point but i think it was also important to talk about not only the impact that he had socially but also the impact he had among his peers because mm-hmm. i mean you can there's a lot of nba players but there's only so many that you can say is like a kobe bryant mm-hmm. So I think it was important that they showed both his faults, but also a lot of the things that people contributed that made, that redeemed his image. Yeah, yeah. In society. And and he was, he was, and and the the film did a pretty good job of showing all these things that happened to him in those three Mm -hmm. or four years before. And, And he was, his approval rating Unless you were a Laker fan, his approval rating was at an all-time mm-hmm. low at this time. So, um, all right, Genevieve, how can this film help you win basketball games? Um, I think it's what we've kind of been talking about the whole time was mm-hmm. communication and chemistry within your team. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you can have so many good players you can have so many high skill sets but you're gonna get nowhere if like if your team can't be a team if it's gonna be you know one-on-one-on-one-on-one-on-one five games of one-on-one instead of one game of five-on-five yeah yep yeah nothing's gonna you're not gonna achieve what you want to so one of the i mean obviously skill set is important and having a large pool of talent uh-huh. is important, but at the same time, nothing's gonna happen if you're relying on certain people to make that, like, to get that done for you. Uh-huh. You have to rely on all these different skill sets and talent to come together to uh-huh. create a group of a talent to yeah. create a talented team. Yep. Yep. I had 
again, we've and we've talked a lot about uh, we've talked a lot about these things as we've gone through this. Um, I love the motivation you talked about the Manu Ginobili uh, mm-hmm. story. Uh, that was really good. Uh, the the uh, the player led teams we talked about them mm-hmm. with the timeout and the players were, were talking instead of the coaches in the in the huddle uh, roles. You know, roles, you, you have to assign roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked about this uh, in in uh, building, in, in my uh, selfless plug for a pen and a napkin university's culture video. Uh, your players need to know their roles. Your job is mm-hmm. to tell your players their roles. They need to know their roles. Uh, now, it's up to them to accept, embrace, and excel mm-hmm. at those roles. And, and uh you're not doing that right now. Like I'm not doing that with my team right now in June. We've got to sort. We got to start sorting out those roles. I kind of have some ideas in my head, but over the next month, we're going to go through that process, and then I'll have a lot better idea of what people's roles are going to be. But I'm going to let my players play to kind of help figure out those roles uh, before I say these are our roles. All right. I really think of all the great teams that your dad has been around, all the great teams that your dad has coached, and, and I've been fortunate to to coach a lot of really, really good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got to have, uh, on, on most great teams, there is an alpha dog. And like they right. talked about in the film, they, they kind of had two alpha dogs. And, they, and, you know, and, and LeBron actually kind of said, I wasn't really sure if I was the alpha or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know how I fit with Kobe. Um, and so I, but you, you have to have some sort of heliocentric thing within your team. You have to have a player that everybody else looks to, mm-hmm. uh, the teams that I have had, not always, but, but teams, let's put it this way. Teams that did not live up to their potential mm-hmm. lacked that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, teams that did live, live up to their potential definitely had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was something there. And so uh, I, I think that leadership is really important. Uh, putting a team together, like I talked about, putting the best pieces of a team together, uh, you know, that type of thing. But I think the biggest thing that I took away from this, and it comes from that the scene where the military folks came in and talked to the team, mm-hmm. selfless service. Yeah. You know, if if you can have your team, like they talked about the first scrimmage that they had, and Kobe was diving was on the floor, and and he and they showed him jumping over, mm-hmm. trying to win the loose ball, and and things like that. If your best player, if your alpha, is diving on the floor for loose balls, if your best player is mixing it up for rebounds, if your best player is taking charges, guess what? The rest of your team. Yeah is going to do those things. And if you have a a mantra, if you have an environment of selfless service for your entire team, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're going to win a state championship or a national championship or goes but your team's going to max out. Your team's going to get the most out of what that team has to offer. Um, and, and, and I think that's kind of the biggest thing I took away from it, uh, from, from the documentary. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I definitely agree. You can, I mean, there's definitely a history of being like, oh, this is so-and-so's team. Like, this is LeBron's team. This is Kobe's team. This is, you know, Michael Jordan's team. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's, they were the leaders of those teams because Mm -hmm. they, I mean, they show multiple times in documentary. They are showing this example 
of how every single other player should be acting and like how Kobe was acting when he got, first got introduced to the team. Mm-hmm. It's I wouldn't say it's I don't know if I would say it's fair to say that it was his team alone, but it was definitely the tag team of Kobe and LeBron. It it kind of made them their team because those those two working together was definitely the example that the rest of the team had to follow mm-hmm. so that they could achieve what they wanted to. Mm-hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Motivational. Great. How motivated were you to go hoop after this? How motivated were you to grab a ball from the garage and go down the street and start getting some shots up for the first time in... I don't know, maybe like 12 years? 12 years? It's been 12 years since you've been hooping? I don't know. I think I quit when I was like six. (laughs) I got hit in the head with a ball. True story. I think I was playing YMCA basketball, and I got hit in the head, and I sat on the sidelines for the rest of the game. Um... We put you in concussion protocol. I I think that traumatized me, to be honest. I literally, I would go to your games and people would be warming up and I would have to walk on the sidelines and I would put both of my hands covering my head because I was so scared I was going to get hit in the head with a ball again. I never noticed that. Did you? No, I never I know, noticed like that. When Michael and Carter, my brothers, would um, you know, play during halftime or they would play after the game while we waited for you, I would like sit either sit in the bleachers but if i was on the floor i would have to like cover my head because i was so scared i was gonna get hit in the head ah you were just protecting your your beautiful face yeah i was protecting what's really gonna make me some money you bet yeah yeah a supermodel career yeah yeah very nice it's in the works yeah um i don't know like i mean i said it earlier a lot of the movie was about what they were representing and Uh um what the what having like USA on your jersey meant mm-hmm. in like in retrospect so i don't know maybe like a b for playing basketball and a c for enlisting in the military <laughs> okay all right um i had an a plus i was ready oh. to go i was ready now again your dad doesn't really yeah, hit the, the court that the way I used to, but I might go to my nerf hoop in my classroom tomorrow and get some shots <laughs> up. You know You don't want to go dunk on the neighbor's uh hoop? I could go down the street and dunk on the on the neighbor's hoop. Yeah. yeah. Or or at our gym we could take the rims down to like seven feet. Uh, <laughs> so I could I actually dunked it last week in camp. Did you? Yeah, the, the yeah, the uh, the elementary kids thought, they thought I it was, was cool. Oh, they thought I was LeBron. They oh thought I was gosh. going up and, and flushing it hardcore. They <laughs> So I was hoping that I wasn't going to miss the dunk. I'm going to be oh, honest with you. I was like, so okay, if I'm going to if I'm going to do this, I've got to make sure I get I'm there. So, make it. so I I got up for, <laughs> for what I have left in, in this body. I got up. So um, 
we already talked about the the press conference. I, I would have liked to have seen more about the seventy two Munich game uh, because that was kind of the the first, yeah, the first big one. I thought they covered the the eighty eight game against the Soviets uh, pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know that was a flawed team to begin with. Um, so, uh, but I thought they did that. But I thought they could have done with. And again, I don't know what that is. I, I just thought they could have set the stage with that a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. with that. So. Uh, yeah. So that in-game adjustments, we kind of covered that. Uh, DNPCD, the did not play coach's decision. Who should not be in this movie? Um, you don't have anything written down for this one, I don't think. No, because no. I mean, once again, I'm not too into basketball lore, so I don't know who really affected yeah. the game so much. I thought negative in a negative way. I thought the one guy that was in it too much for the role that he had to play on this team was a guy named Carlos Boozer. Um, yeah, he was probably like the 10th guy oh. on the team. Um, he played he played a little bit, but not a ton. Um, and I just, you know, for, for him being the 10th guy, he mm-hmm. he was in there quite a bit. Um, and, and I don't, in no, the documentary, or in the doc, like, in oh. the documentary. Oh, I thought you meant like in the game. Like, no, no, in the documentary, he was in there quite a bit for him. Ha- like he probably had twice as many quotes in the film as like Chris Which Paul one was did. That? Uh, he, he, I think he said he, he looked like he was in a wheelchair. He looked like he was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Oh. Yes. So he's not in a wheelchair. Just to let you know. Yeah, he yeah. was sitting on like a hedge or something. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but like Chris Paul had maybe half as many, not even as half half as many quotes as yeah. Carlos Boozer did. Uh, and again, Carlos Boozer is a great player. He was an all-star three or yeah, four different times. He was obviously reason. a very, he was a very good player, uh, but he was not one of the top guys yeah. that, that played on, on the team. Jason Kidd should have gotten more. I think Jason Probably. Kidd was only in there like I thought that once. was Jason Kidd. No, no. Jason Kidd only, I think, only got like one quote in the whole did film. He? I think so. And he was the starting point guard. I thought that no. was Jason Kidd the whole time. No. No, it was not Jason Kidd. I didn't read it right. That's okay. That's all right. I didn't read it close enough. It's all right. Who gets the game ball? Do you want to start? I'm not uh, sure. I'm not sure either. Who? Do, 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 I'm not sure, 100% sure of the question, to be honest. Who was the most valuable player of the movie? Who? who? I mean, you got to say Kobe. I think, I I think it, you're right. I do have to give it to Dwayne Wade, though. Okay. In I think it was in the Argentina game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think LeBron and Kobe both had two fouls, and it was only like the first quarter. Oh, the semifinal. No, the it was the, no, no, it was the gold medal game. Was it? Yeah, they both got two fouls early in the game. Yeah. Anyway, during that game, um, they Kobe and LeBron both had two fouls mm-hmm. in the first quarter, so they sent Dwayne Wade out. He I think he scored like twenty points. At, till the end of the half. Yeah, in the first and half. So, you know, he got to give that to him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's definitely... I yeah. mean, what it's, he's not underestimated at all, but... Oh, absolutely not. No. Compared to Kobe, I think we also have to consider his value to the team. So I had either Coach K or Kobe. That I was going to say Coach K. But I think that the more... And I have a bit of a complicated feeling about, about Kobe. Kobe. I respect Kobe. I think he's a great player, mm-hmm. but I also think that he was not 
the best team player for the vast right. majority of his career. Uh, individually, he was absolutely awesome. Was he? He figured he figured some things out, especially after this experience. I I think uh, that helped him win those championships in the two years after the Olympics. Was Kobe on the dream team or no? He no. was in the All Star game. He's an All Star. Like game. when you watched the Last Dance, he was in the All Star game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I, you know, looking at it and kind of thinking in it, of it through that lens, and I think one of the last things that they said about Kobe in the documentary was this set up the second half of his career. Yeah. This and is the second chapter of his life. The second chapter, um, the, the next 10 years yeah. of his career. And I think there's uh, a lot of uh, accuracy to that. I really do. Mm-hmm. And so... I think we got to give it to Kobe. Yeah. I think we got to give it to Kobe. Um, I, I I really thought it was going to be Coach K at one point, but I think Kobe's story mm-hmm. and thinking of the redemption of it and all of those things, mm-hmm. um, I, I I just really feel like that was yeah. that was that was the that that's probably appropriate that he gets the yeah. game ball. I mean, I also like see Coach K. I mean. Considering that he, I mean, it takes a lot, obviously, to be the talent that's on the floor, but it also takes a lot to be at the bench where you have absolutely no control and all you can do is guide your player. Tell yeah, me, tell me, yeah, tell me prop, about it. Props to you guys. <laughs> I don't, like, when you have, it's different when you're on the floor and you have so much control. Yeah. I mean, as much control as you possibly can, uh-huh. but when you're on or when you're at the bench and all you can do, I don't know, scream at them to do what you want them to. But, uh, yeah. but like, Coach K, he guided their mentalities and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. showed them what they were representing and, yeah, that kind of stuff. So you know, I would agree with you, Coach K or Kobe. You know what's even harder than coaching? Playing? Watching your children play. Thank you. Because... Because I'm it, so good? No, because... Yeah. Even when I'm a coach, I do have some control over it. I can call a timeout. I can call right. an offense. I can call a defense. When I'm watching you play volleyball, when when I'm watching your brother Michael play soccer, when I'm watching your brother mm-hmm. Carter play basketball. Um, or volleyball. Or uh, vo- and now volleyball for Carter. Um, I have no control. I can't. I can't call timeouts. I can't. Can I, I, I can. I can uh, and believe me. Get a technical. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's the hardest thing. I think that's the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's harder than coaching. For me, mm-hmm. I was, I, I've never been terribly nervous once a game gets going. Yeah. But when you oh, kids, yeah. when you kids have played your sports, especially when you've played for like championships, like when you were in junior high and mm-hmm. you played for a couple of championships or when your brothers played for championships, um, I was nervous. I was nervous the entire game, <laughs> uh, so that's that's even harder than coaching. Mm. That's even harder than coaching. So, overall grade, Genevieve, what do you have? Um, I'd say a B, maybe a B plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like uh, bringing together all these different players who are very well known, but I think, like I said, bad boys. Uh, that'll hold a special place in my heart, but 
I think what I liked about Bad Boys and The Last Dance is that, and what they did do in Redeem Team, is that they showed footage of the team interacting together. So I feel like with, I mean, you have the testimonials from these players and everything, but I liked, I liked seeing the real footage of the team interacting together. Uh-huh. So, rather than just, like, gameplay. Uh-huh. Because I feel like that makes it so much more real of, like, how much work was put into it and, uh-huh. like, how much the team had really... How much time the team had really spent together uh-huh. and how much went into creating that chemistry that uh-huh. they needed to win their uh-huh. championship or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I did like it. I think it was a good... Um, I I think I talked about it on my last episode was like a lot of like perseverance and uh-huh. a lot of I liked how it showed how you can come back from I mean literally being an I wouldn't say a nationwide embarrassment but kind of it was it was very embarrassing worldwide embarrassment worldwide embarrassment say. it was yeah um, I mean it was it was how you can it come was back. Sports wise, like, like yeah. I mean, we're not talking like global tragedy, like no, famine in Africa or anything no. like this. But it was, but it was bad. Yeah, it, it was, was like uh, embarrassing. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as I know, yeah. I was literally born that year, but in two thousand four, to for it to be like the impact that it had losing in two thousand four, and then being able to come back from that, mm-hmm. I liked that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But overall, I'd say B, B plus. Yeah. And we've held on to it ever since. Is, yeah. Is it, a, you know, and, and kind of like, you know, you could theoretically, now this was about this particular group, but one of the things that's amazing about Coach K is not only did he win gold in 2008, but then he did it again in 2012 and 2016. He won three consecutive gold medals before oh. Popovich won in 20. It's supposed to be 2020, but COVID pushed it back to, 20. to, to 21 in Tokyo. So... Uh, you know, we, uh, I say we, like I'm part of it, uh, you know, USA basketball has not let that go since then. And I don't believe, uh, we're not playing in two years. No, we, no, we have lost. We, we have lost since then, but I, and I, and I think losing is more acceptable now. Now, you know, we, we still expect to win gold, but if we lose a game to a tough, Argentina team or yeah. or Spain or somebody like that uh we can we can kind of see that now I, I think mm-hmm. we, we have a much more like at one point they talked about how they thought the European teams weren't tough yeah. um and and they didn't respect you know because they weren't American no they're tough they're just tough in a different way yeah and, and sometimes we as Americans especially when it comes to like basketball we think well Europeans are soft mm-hmm. but uh, you gotta remember Europeans have been fighting each other for like 5,000 10,000 yeah. years and with clubs and knives and swords yeah. you know um they're pretty tough people yeah. over there in Europe so I, I don't think we should underestimate yeah, that as well literally every country yeah ever at one probably time. yeah exactly so all right, Genevieve. Yeah. Appearance number two on a pen and a napkin podcast. The film room. Yeah. How was it? Pretty solid. I'm not as nervous. Not as nervous. Yeah. Maybe, you know, let me know if you guys want me back for season three. Season three? Yeah. Okay. All right. You'd, you'd be open? You, okay. Maybe I'll let you pick. Because I picked this one mm. for you. Yeah. We kind of agreed on bad boys. Yeah. But 
Yeah, you pick this one. Okay. All right. Airbud next time? No, Airbud will Dog not. Will, will not. Airbud will not be part of the phone I think room. It's Sorry, Airbud fans. Yeah. Uh, so to all you two people out there. Yeah, for all two of you. For all two of you. It's a big franchise. It is. Oh, it, it's a well. It there yeah. was a sequel, wasn't there? There's like a billion of those movies. Like oh, you got gosh. like Spooky Buddies, Airbud, Airbud Two. They, I don't know. They got a, them doing all sorts of stuff. They're doing every sport out there. You you know far too much about Airbud. About the Airbud franchise. About the Airbud franchise. So, uh, well, daughter, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Um, you are officially uh, tied with your brothers as my favorite podcast oh. ge- podcast guests of all time. Uh, oh. But you're still the only one to have kind two of a, episodes. Two episodes. Yes, you have a full episode. Your brothers have kind of chimed in mm-hmm. a few times on some roundtables. Yeah, uh, but uh, that's right. Yeah. Oh. Two full episodes for me. Let's, locked in. Yeah, let's see if you'll be able to fit out the door with your with your with my ego expanding. Head. Yes, yes. So, oh. But no, you did a great job tonight. Thank you. I'm really proud of you. Um, I'm so happy that you're home this summer. Um, it's nice having you back home for a few months before you head back to school. So, yeah. and just so everybody knows, I love you very much and I'm very proud Thank of you. you. Thank you. All right. Me too. So what was that? Can you say that for everybody to hear that? Mm. You kind of mumbled it. Yeah, I think they heard it. No, I don't think they did. Yeah, what what they was did. it? What'd you say about your father? Say I love you. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. So, uh, coaches, I hope you are, whoever's listening, uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh film room here season two uh another documentary here the redeem team uh really really good like i said i watched this for the first time today i'm i'm slightly embarrassed that it took me this long to to get around to watching it but i absolutely loved it i thought it was awesome i gave it an a um i thought it was i thought it was really really good so uh Hope you enjoyed it, Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. We will have a feature film next week. Again, scheduling conflicts, NBA finals conflicts, a lot of things, just a lot of stuff going on here that that kind of pushed this this next one back, but we'll be okay. So hope you enjoyed this one. We had a great time recording it, and it was a lot of fun. So coaches, as always, let's be sure to hold our craft one day at a time.